Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. And today I have a fellow Canadian on the show. I'm from Vancouver, BC, Canada, and Michelle's over there on the other side of the, the country in Moncton, New Brunswick. And uh, I haven't actually been to the Atlantic uh, side of Canada, so looking forward to hearing a little bit more about life in New Brunswick. She's also an avid traveler. She travels with her husband and two kids, a seven and 12 year old. and. Uh, uh, she was also a ghostwriter and a copywriter, and we haven't actually had anyone who does ghostwriting on the show yet, even though we had about 100 episodes, so looking forward to hearing her insights into uh, this area of making money online, ghostwriting, and doing some copywriting. Uh, so we'll be talking about her travels, about her career as a ghostwriter, and much more. Uh, so uh, Michelle, uh, for the sake of the listeners and the viewers, why don't we uh, get to know you a little bit better, if you want to share a little bit more about yourself. Okay. Well, I'm actually a wannabe Canadian. I was born in Australia and I'm in the process of filing my paperwork to become a full-time Canadian. So that, that part is a work in progress. My husband is Canadian. I met him while I was travelling in China and um, we've been together about 13 years. So we met traveling and we've been traveling constantly since then. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your travels. I mean, uh, you're based in uh, New Brunswick and you travel quite a bit with your husband and kids. So what are some of your favorite adventures so far? Well, we, um, we went to Peru about four years ago for a period of three months and we ended up staying about two years. We really enjoyed it so much. So we spent most of our time there around Cusco. And then after that, we decided that instead of flying back to Canada, we would drive an old Volkswagen Combi. And then we set off and drove. And we've just recently completed that trip. It took us about two years. Yes, and tell us a little bit more about the adventure itself. Well, we went through uh, so many countries and um, I don't even know where to start, to be honest. I mean, they were all very beautiful, so very different. We went through Ecuador, Colombia, Panama, uh, Guatemala, Mexico. We um, spent different times in different countries. Uh, we volunteered as we went. We worked as we went. We met some wonderful people. We stayed in cities, we stayed by the beach, you know, we, we were open to any opportunity which came our way. Uh, I'm actually in Bogota, Colombia, uh, which is uh, kind of on the route that you did. Uh, uh, so uh, in terms of the travel itself, uh, tell us about some of the highlights. What were some of your favorite cities, countries, destinations, sightseeing, Michelle? Yeah. Well, if we're talking Colombia, we really enjoyed staying in Sand Hill. Um, we managed a wonderful hostel there called La Pacha for a period of about five weeks while the owners went on holidays. And uh, that was a wonderful experience. We were greeting the guests, we were cooking, my husband was milking the goats. Um, it, it was a wonderful experience. We really didn't want to leave. We had so much fun. <laughs> Um, but other than that, um, we lived by the beach for two months in Ecuador. We had our own private beach, as it were, that we had no visitors. 
And one of our jobs uh, was to do beach cleaning every day. So every morning, my husband and I would get up at about 6 o'clock in the morning and we'd spend about three hours walking along this strip of beach and cleaning up all the rubbish. And then the next day, we would get up and do it all over again. Um, but it was very rewarding and we found a lot of little neat treasures that were washed up in the ocean. And that's a great thing you were doing as travelers. Uh, one of our previous guests, her name is Julie Connolly, uh, Connolly, and she actually started a group called Travelers Clean Up. Because as travelers, uh, you know, uh, we've been traveling to a lot of beach areas and just towns in general, and you see so much dirt and you feel, oh. uh, you feel so uh, frustrated by the fact that it's supposed to be beautiful, but it's uh, not. <laughs> so uh, uh, what made you do it? Are you doing it fully as a volunteer out of the goodness of your heart? Or tell us more about the side of uh, your travels. Well, we did. We wanted to try and, and give back um, where we could. We were a little limited with how much we could volunteer because in order to fund our trip, we also had to work along the way. Um, but where we could, we, um, yeah, we thought we would, you know, volunteer and, and, I mean, doing a beach clean, it was one of the most rewarding things we did. One morning we were walking along and we thought it was a dog in the sand, but it turned out to be a seal. Uh, a seal had washed up on the beach, so then we had to try and, and contact the local rescue people to come and rescue the seal, check it was okay, and then release it back into the water. So that, I mean, that was a highlight in itself. Wow. Good, good on you for rescuing the seal there. Uh, so tell us also about the flip side, uh, some of the struggles and challenges of traveling, uh, you know, that lifestyle and, uh, you know, some of the difficulties. Because sometimes we always see the, another, you know, most of the time we see the good stuff on social media. We don't see the struggles, the fighting with the family or the spouse or the emotional struggles, the loneliness and, uh, you know, even the practical uh, logistical issues. So if you can walk us through some of those uh, challenges, uh, Michelle. Yeah, well, working online, as you know, trying to get good internet wherever you are can be a problem. When we were in Ecuador, um, the, we had moved into some accommodation and the second day we were there, there was a fire and we had no electricity for a period of, I think it was about two weeks. Um, and as a ghostwriter and copywriter, I had to try and find internet somewhere because I work on a daily basis. So that was interesting. But alongside that, we had constant blackouts, you know, and trying to meet deadlines <laughs> can be a big issue. Um, breaking down, we have a vehicle that was constantly breaking down on the road. So trying to source reliable mechanics, um, you know, just trying to navigate. And when you're broken down in a foreign country and you don't know anyone and perhaps you don't even speak the language. So that in itself can be difficult. Um, when people travel, I guess they tend to post the picture-perfect beaches and, you know, sitting by the side of the pool. I mean, our travel definitely wasn't like that. Um, we like to travel to the real places, to the real towns, you know, really get up close and personal with the locals, you know, and, and experience how they're living. We, um, we don't like the resort. It's, it's not us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's funny you mentioned the bad Wi-Fi because I've actually had problems the last few days. We're actually staying at an orphanage. Uh, it's called SOS Children's Village. They're around the world and they're based out of Austria, but they have uh, locations globally. And we're here at the 
one in Bogota, Colombia, and we're staying on site. And unfortunately, the Wi-Fi is not very good there. I was struggling to get on, and it wouldn't let me stream audio or video. So what happened is I asked the person who's uh, kind of uh, overseeing us, hey, how do I get good Wi-Fi? She's like, come to my desk, come to my desk in my office. So I'm actually in her office. You can see the SOS Children's Village uh, sign behind me, and this is her office. So thanks to her for letting me uh, uh, <laughs> use her space to do this interview. And if no. you're just listening, you got to actually uh, watch the video to see the references to what I'm talking about. We have uh, both on iTunes and we have it on YouTube. Uh, so thanks to SS Children's Village for hosting our family, by the way. They're a great organization, and uh, they do a lot of good in the world to uh, help orphan children and neglected and, uh, you know, children who are in trouble. So that's why we're here, to help out and create awareness of what they're doing. Michelle, uh, tell us about um, you know uh, your work uh, while you're traveling. I mean, uh, you I mentioned earlier you do some ghostwriting, some copywriting. So how does that look like? Do you have um, some set contracts? Are you doing freelance? Are you working for a company? Uh, walk us through that side of your business. Yeah, I work freelance. I've been doing it for about nine years now. I have a set stable of clients that I work with on a constant basis. I do their writing, whatever that may be, whether it's blog posts, articles, catalogue, uh, website text, whatever they need on a regular basis. And then on top of that, I have new clients coming which I can do either ad hoc jobs or then I move them over to my uh, stable of uh, permanent clients. So it, it's a constant turnover of clients. I have my main bulk and then my others on top of that. So it, it could be something different every week. The topic I write about are just as varied as you as you could imagine from travel travel because it's something that I do but I also write about social media marketing I've probably written about it in all honesty <laughs> so uh, if other people watching right now or listening right now on iTunes if they wanted to actually get into this whole area of copywriting ghostwriting um, any tips or suggestions on where to go uh, what kind of companies hire any sites that you can find work on. Yeah, walk us through uh, some of the ways that people can get uh, work in this field. Sure. Your best friend as a writer is other writers. They are the best people to link up with, to talk to, um, to learn from. I have uh, many colleagues who are writers and we kind of all group together and if someone has a contract that they can't take, or they don't want, uh, it's, the, it's the best way to go because they can farm it out to you, they can pass it on to you, and vice versa. If you don't have the skills or the time, you can pass it on to someone else. So I like to work within a close circle of writers. But on top of that, if you're just getting started, um, it's a, a great website, uh, especially for beginners. Um, what you may find is you won't be earning a lot of money, but it's a, a case of just getting the experience and the confidence and then working up from there. When I first started, I was doing $10 articles, you know, and uh, now when $10 jobs come my way, I just smile. <laughs> I don't take them on at all. So uh, tell us about the balance between uh, travel and work. Um, because um, typically when you're traveling, uh, like we are right now, we're traveling around the world, uh, for the last seven months, and we'll be still going for another five. And I find it very difficult to uh, 
find a balance between sightseeing, work, sightseeing, work, sightseeing, work. Uh, typically, the balance goes towards work sometimes, towards sightseeing sometimes, and very rarely <laughs> balance down the middle. So tell us a little bit about how you achieve the balance, uh, having you know a husband, two kids, the work commitments, and also you want to sightsee. You don't want to be just stuck in your desk working all the time. Tell us, walk us through how you find the work-life balance for yourself, Michelle. Well, it can be challenging on the road. Um, at the moment, we've just ended our two-year trip, so we're kind of settled. So not having to travel has been a blessing for us so we can kind of catch up and, and, and get our breath back a bit. But when you're on the road, I mean, it's very difficult. But as I work for myself, I, I can set my own hours. If I know that we're going to be sightseeing one day, um, you know, if we wanted to go out and explore somewhere, then I could work possibly later in the night so I didn't have to get up and work the next day. So I'm a bit flexible uh, in terms of my workload. I have work that I have to complete within a, a period of a week. So I can sit down and I can do a lot on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, for example, and then take Thursday and Friday off. So it's flexible in terms of that. So I try and balance it so I give time to my kids, my husband, the sightseeing, the house cleaning, you know, all of it. You have to try and fit it in somehow, somewhere. And some days it can be difficult. Some days I'm sitting there at 3 o'clock in the morning trying to get stuff done to make deadlines. I mean, it can get tricky, as you know. <laughs> yeah, it definitely can. I mean, uh, sometimes you have to stay up late at night or wake up super early, especially if you're in uh, different time zones. Luckily, where I am, it's not too uh, different. I mean, the North American time zone, we're just one hour behind ES, uh, Eastern Standard Time. So that works really well uh, for what I'm doing with my coaching, masterminding, uh, you know, uh, interviews, etc. cetera. Uh, so Michelle, um, tell us about uh, your vision going forward. You've already done this uh, amazing two-year adventure. Uh, now you went back to New Brunswick. Uh, tell us about uh, where do you see yourself in the next few months, next few years, and beyond. Okay. Well, before we did our um, stint to Peru and our two-year road trip, normally our travels would involve going to a place for a year. We would experience that destination, you know, quite well. We would travel around and then we would move somewhere else for a year. So we've kind of moved back into that mould for the moment. So we've signed a 12-month lease on this uh, apartment here in Moncton. We're going to explore the area. Um, we're going to get some money in the kitty because that's important. Uh, traveling every day for two years, as you can imagine, our kitty went quite low. <laughs> so now it's time to uh, put some money back in the kitty and then come up with a plan. Destinations along the way that we would love to go back to. Uh, Guatemala in particular was one that keeps coming up. We really enjoyed our time there around the lake and exploring, so we've talked about maybe going back. But for the moment, we're going to enjoy a Canadian summer and uh, grumble through a Canadian winter. And then after that, we'll see where we go. But um, for now, it's, it's Moncton, New Brunswick. Um, and then we have our eyes on Nova Scotia. We'd like to move uh, further across and explore that area. Um, I haven't been over that way, having only lived in Ontario and Saskatchewan before. So we're going to explore Canada first. And then after that, then we might uh, look at other destinations in the future. Awesome. And any big bucket list items you, if you could just jump on a plane today or tomorrow or next week, uh, what are some of your big, uh, you know, to-do items? Oh, well, rest. To be honest, it's rest. We found that, that coming home, we just, we were happy and content. 
just to do the things that people do on a regular basis. Just go to the same grocery store and just go to the local park and not have to drive anywhere. It's been wonderful, <laughs> really wonderful. So explore downtown, join the local library, see what's going on over Moncton and the surrounding areas for summer. Just have some quiet time. I think we deserve it. <laughs> Uh, it's so funny you mentioned that because usually it's the other way around. People already have the quiet time and they want to leave that life behind. But you uh, have enjoyed reintegrating into normal everyday life. <laughs> yeah, and I like that. And my kids like some stability. We're planning on putting them in the local school um, come when's that September. And so, you know, it's all about sort of re-entering society. They've had a break from school for a few years. They were in school for a little bit in Peru in a Spanish-speaking school, but now it's time to enter back into the Canadian system for a while. So we'll see. It'll be a, a challenge, I'm sure, but we'll see how we go. And uh, you mentioned like school and education, and as parents, I think that's one of our big worries or fears is are we doing the right thing with our kids' education? Like they were really young. I mean, our kids are five, three, and one. So they're not missing a lot. Uh, they're missing preschool right now. But, you know, as they go older, we have that concern of do they need that traditional schooling? Do they need that stability of friendship? Uh, because, uh, you know, obviously when you go on the road a lot, uh, you're world schooling, but they don't have that stability of the constant companionship with friends. And for us adults, I mean, uh, for me, I'm cool with meeting friends and meeting new friends, keeping in touch with them with social media, but I think our, our kids are very different. So um, tell us about how you handle that. When you were in on the road for two years, how did you handle um, both, both elements, both the schooling element and also the need for friendship element uh, for your kids in particular? Sure. Well, before I knew I was going to a destination, I would be online. I was trying to find out who was there, who was going there, who I could meet up with, who had kids of a similar age. And I had even arranged some play dates before I'd even gotten into a country. Just so that I knew that there were people there that I could instantly connect my kids to. So I knew that, you know, they could have some fun while we were there. Because it's a trip for all of us, not just for me or my husband. I wanted the kids to have fun too and meeting new people is all part and parcel of that. I always say that a stranger is just a friend we haven't met yet, right? So, you know, I want them to be able to talk to people, to connect with people and my kids have a wonderful ability of going to a park and being able to go up to a stranger and say, do you want to play and start playing and instantly create a bond. So for me it was about being organised, you know, knowing where we were going, knowing who would be there. Um, knowing what was in the area, where we could possibly meet people. Um, and that was a big part of it. And then trying to reconnect with people that we've met on our trip in other destinations. So we met with people in Peru and then we'd catch up with them again somewhere else. So we'd meet with people in Ecuador and catch up with them again in Colombia, for example. So it was having some continuity on our trip as well, which was a big help. In terms of school, um, we dipped in and out. Um, my kids went to school for a, a period of about six months in Peru, a Spanish-speaking school. But again, that was more about the language. It was more about making friends. Uh, whether they learned anything, I'm not sure. But, um, you know, it was just about the experience of being able to do it, of not being afraid of the culture. And then as we were on the road, we sort of dipped in and out of homeschooling, traditional programs. But... I mean, my daughter, she's an avid artist. She's drawing constantly. She's always drawing. So for her, it was, you know, we enjoy nurturing 
that um, ability of her being able to draw. She doesn't want to be a scientist, she doesn't want to be a mathematician or a doctor, so we didn't have to foster subjects like science or maths, you know, she's more artistic. So finding ways where she could sing and dance and, and draw for her. So we put her in some dance classes, doing karaoke so she could get up on stage and sing, things like that which would benefit her confidence and her skill set. Um, in terms of my son, he's only seven, so he was doing some kindergarten in Peru. Um, and now that we're back in Canada, we're sitting down and starting to read. But the amazing thing is he already knows how to read. Um, world experience. I haven't sat down and taught him, yet he knows the basics already. So, it, it, you know, kids are amazing little creatures. They learn because they want to learn. They have to sit down and go through everything. They pick it up. They're like little sponges. So my son, who I didn't even know could read, is, is reading these little readers, you know, and hopefully by the time we go back to, he goes back to school in September, he'll be fine. He'll be right up with all the rest of the students. Because uh, my daughter is actually five right now, and uh, that's one of the things we want to do is teach her to read. And, uh, uh, you know, even though I did a little bit of ESL teaching in my background, I don't have that skill in terms of how to actually teach someone to read. Uh, but. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that uh, your son just figured out on his own because we were wondering what you would do, look on YouTube or uh, maybe there's some apps on our phone. So pretty much you didn't have to do anything um, um, kind of like uh, proactively. They were just able to pick it up on their own. They do. They're amazing. <laughs> they are amazing indeed. Uh, so Michelle, if someone is listening or watching and they want to do something similar, uh, like maybe a six-month trip, a year trip, or even like a two-year trip like you did, uh, but they don't know where to start, they have all these fears, self-doubts, uh, insecurities, etc. cetera, uh, what would you tell that person who's watching or listening right now? Oh, my goodness. I would say just do it. Just do it. When we started out, we didn't have a clue. We didn't even know if we could drive from... Peru to Canada. You know, we were so naive and uh, we just thought we'll deal with it one country at a time. We'll see if we can do it. And if we have to cancel our trip, if all doesn't go to plan, then that's okay too. You know, it wasn't so much a, a destination, but the journey, you know, it was the not the A to Z, but everything in between that sort of made up, you know, made up our trip. I would suggest just join groups on. Uh, Facebook depending on what you want to do if you're overlanding or you want to travel I mean there are so many good resources out there these days so just read connect with other travelers and ask a lot of questions um, you know there are a lot of countries I hadn't been to there are a lot of countries that I didn't know much about Colombia for example you know before we went into Colombia everyone's like gosh you know you're gonna get killed you're going to get murdered you know you're gonna get robbed or whatever it's such a dangerous country and it was one of the most friendliest and beautiful countries we'd ever been to. So, you know, just don't believe everything you hear, you know, and don't believe it until you've experienced it yourself, I think. Just get out there and do it. Yeah, you know, I'm actually uh, doing this interview live on 
vacation from Colombia, and uh, the Colombians are such friendly, friendly, friendly people. Like, uh, what are the chances of someone just letting you use the office, right? I mean, they they've uh, they've left to go do the thing, and they're like, yeah, use your office, uh, use. And that wouldn't happen back in Canada. I, it's very rare someone would just let you use the office. So, and I've had wonderful experiences here with, with the Colombian people. We've only been here a week. Uh, we're heading over to Medellin this weekend and Cartagena and then seeing a little bit more of the country. And yeah, I totally agree with you about uh, the lack of, uh, you know, correct media information because, yeah, same like uh, what you said, uh, I thought it was going to be dangerous, people going to try to rob me, gangsters and drug dealers everywhere, but it's so far from the case. I mean, there's kids uh, literally <laughs> in the back background behind me and there's uh, families and uh, playgrounds and it's just like any other city in the world yet everyone's speaking Spanish. Colombia is a beautiful country I mean uh, you know they were so welcoming because tourism is really quite new there still there's not a lot of travelers going so you know for people who want to go to Colombia do it it's wonderful same for El Salvador we had wonderful experiences in El Salvador and it's another one of those countries that gets a bad rap so how did you deal with the language side of things? Because uh, obviously this part of the world is not English speaking and most people don't speak English here. So that's uh, been the biggest challenges communicating with the locals. So did you learn Spanish before you left? Did you just pick it up on the road? Did you do uh, body language, hand gestures, or all of the above? As um, a world traveler, you would think that my language skills would be awesome, but they're not. I'm terrible. Um, I, I struggle with learning a language. My husband, he's the language guru in our family. Um, but we picked it up as we went. We would listen, um, you know, and we would learn, we would ask. And, and having been, you know, in a Spanish-speaking environment for four years, it, it sort of, it just comes naturally after a while. Um, my listening skills, I must admit, are certainly better than my verbal skills. So I can listen to a conversation and then explain to my husband what they're saying and then he can respond in Spanish. That's kind of how we worked it out in the end. Yeah, and, uh, you know, uh, things like uh, just uh, body language goes a long way. Like uh, where we're staying, uh, uh, even in this orphanage, no one speaks English. Uh, kids are able to interact with the other kids just because the universal language of play. And, um, you know, like... Uh, for example, just like, uh, oh, I want to eat something, or I want a restaurant, or I need to uh, use the internet, and uh, you just point at the computer. Or uh, People get it. People get it. Even though the language is 100% different, people get it just through your gestures alone. Definitely. I always say um, I lived in China for three, uh, three years without uh, being able to speak Mandarin very well, and I figure if I could survive in China, then I can survive anywhere. Yeah, I actually traveled through China for about, uh, I think it was about two months actually, and uh, it was very, very, very difficult. Uh, I traveled to almost all the major states, uh, I think about 20 provinces or states, and it was super tough, uh, uh, especially going to restaurants because all the, all the language was uh, in different characters and symbols, and I had no idea of those, even though I knew like the words for chicken or beef or pork or uh, other, other like rice or noodles, but uh, yeah, it was tough. So good on you for living in China for three, uh, three years and also for traveling South America for a couple. Oh, well, it's awesome. I'd say everyone should do it. Get out of their comfort zone and try something new. It's a very, very humbling experience to go to countries like Peru and China and, and see how other people are living as well because 
for granted. We do. If we live in a place after a while, we take everything for granted. But going to a new place, trying something different, then we realize just how lucky we are. Absolutely. Uh, so, you know, you've been very inspirational on what you've done, what you're doing and what you're going to do. Uh, so if people wanted to connect with you, Michelle, to find out about your family adventures, to find out about your business side of things, um, tell us uh, different ways by which people can connect with you. Sure. I have a couple of websites, um, michelletoopy.com and andoffwewent.com. So and off we went is our major travel website. Um, once everything settles down, I hope to... I put all our travel experience into a book. Um, that's my plan, but that'll probably come in a, in a month or two once things calm down. So either of those <laughs> two websites, I have uh, corresponding Facebook pages as well. So either of those is fine. Awesome. And I'll have uh, links to both the sites. One is her business uh, site if you're interested in the whole area of uh, ghostwriting, copywriting, etc. And the other one is our family travel site where uh, she's written about her tra uh, travels uh, and also her travels to come. So thanks again, Michelle, for your time over there. And uh, we look forward to connecting with you somewhere down the road. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. So thanks, everyone, for tuning in to this episode of Digital Nomad Mastery live on location for Bogota, Colombia, and from Moncton, New Brunswick. Uh, make sure you subscribe, comment, and share to our YouTube channel to get more uh, updates about the different videos and interviews we do. Also on iTunes, uh, you know, if you leave us a rating and review, that really helps us as well. And we're all across the web at Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. <laughs>